0: mysticism to mystify. Hello, psychic listeners. Welcome to another episode of A Psychic Story. Our guest for this episode is a trailblazer in the world of integrative health and well-being. As the Executive Director at New York Presbyterian Hospital in collaboration with Weill Cornell Medicine, she combines cutting-edge Western medicine with the ancient wisdom of Eastern traditions. Her approach to patient care goes beyond the physical. She reviews the psychological, spiritual, and social well-being of her patients, providing a truly holistic experience. Her expertise in integrative medicine has led her to co-found Integrative Health and Wellbeing, a leading center at New York Presbyterian Wheel Cornell Medicine. This groundbreaking program empowers patients and employees to prevent and manage chronic conditions through modalities such as acupuncture, meditation, yoga, nutrition, psychotherapy, and Reiki, one of my personal favorites. (laughs) Her debut book, Intentional Health, Detoxify, Nourish, and Rejuvenate Your Body Into Balance empowers individuals to take charge of their health by focusing on seven ancient secrets from circadian rhythms to the intricate connection between mind and body. This is the story of Chidi Parikh. Welcome to A Psychic Story.
1: Thank you so much for having me on, Nicole.
0: We're going to be talking about intentional health, which I am very fascinated about. And I talk a lot about intentions just in my day-to-day life on the podcast and everything else. So before we get into that, you have a really fascinating, interesting story about I want to say that you pivoted, but really allowed you to focus more on this area. So please share with the listeners how that, how, how you got started on this kind of newer path or pioneering trailblazing path.
1: Absolutely. Especially when it comes to the book, um, The Intentional Health Story, I'd love to start there because that's something I feel like you, your listeners will really appreciate. So in April 2020, uh, during peak COVID time, as a doctor in New York City, I was on the front lines. I was one of the first doctors to go out there, you know, take care of really sick COVID patients in the ICU. And at that time, I contracted COVID very early on. And I got pretty sick. But again, as you know, those times were just different. So I barely had a few days to recover and to go right back in. And it wasn't until about a month or two later When I finally got to realize, take a moment and say, wait a minute, Like, what's going on with my body? I was losing weight, my hair was falling out in chunks, I was getting short of breath just going up a flight of stairs. And I was an avid yoga practitioner prior to that, could do yoga and be very active. So at that time, I realized, oh my God, Like, something's wrong. And that's when I realized that this might be the long-term effects of COVID. And this was before anyone knew what long COVID was. So I started, you know, going online, trying to look at all these research studies and medical textbooks, just trying to figure out what was going on and how I could heal myself because it was really scary. No one had any answers. And this is just such an occurrence that I still, to this day, think about it. One day I was on Amazon just buying toilet paper like everyone else during those times. And I have no explanation for this, but at that time, a book about a 185 year old Yogi popped up on my feed as one of the suggested books. And I cannot tell you the last time I bought a book on Amazon, let alone did a search about something like that. So I was really intrigued. I was like, how did this end up on my feed? And I clicked on it and it was a out of print book. There was only one person selling this book from I don't even know where. And I just said, okay, you know, this is interesting. Let me just order it. So two weeks later, I got my hands on the book and I read it, and it was eye-opening because in it was a story about 185 yogi, um, with pictures. You know, he was born in the late 1700s, died in the mid-1900s. Uh, so there were pictures and an account by one of his disciples as to how he took this process of rejuvenation and detox. And this science is called Kaya Kalpa. And many yogis and you know advanced spiritual beings across the world practice a similar technique, which basically allows them to turn back their physiological age, so they can continue to meditate on their spiritual path for many many years. And as I learned more about it, I already knew about an ancient detox ritual that's in Ayurveda, which is traditional Indian medicine going back thousands of years called panchakarma, which means purification of five elements that make us who we are. So I said, I'm not a yogi. I don't think I can do the kayakal because it's a very intense year-long practice. But I said, let me try the panchakarma, which is meant for all of us, right? Mere mortals, not just yogis. So I said, let me try it. And for 30 days I did this detoxification process. And just within a week of going into it, I recognized the amazing transformation I was seeing. Like my hair completely stopped falling i was gaining weight i was my appetite returned my energy levels were better and even several months later i noticed you know i was like wait i had really to cut my nails and i realized that it was only like a few days prior to that i cut my nails so it's just i'm not i am vain but not to that degree but i was just noticing that my nails were growing at a pace i've never seen before my hair was growing at a pace i'd never seen before it was simply an outward Sort of manifestation of the transformation that was happening inside. Right. So again, I never would have come across this book. I never would have done this and healed myself. And this wasn't just about me. I was very curious to figure out what was going on with me because I started hearing other coworkers, other nurses, and doctors having similar symptoms. Because as time was going by, more and more people were saying, wait, I got COVID, but now months later, I'm having these issues. So our center was actually one of the first places where we saw, we recognized this long COVID was a thing, right? So it wasn't just about curing long COVID, but this whole journey really inspired me to say, I need to get this word out. To tell people that there is a way to heal, and we don't have to use just Western medicine or Eastern medicine, we can actually combine 5,000 years of science. That's what I do every day in my uh, official, you know, professional duty and my job. My passion is to really bring that to as many people as possible, and that's how I got here today.
0: Wow, that's a fascinating story, and I, I love how. You said this has happened, I guess, previously, but not with that book in particular, that it was kind of random, but it was exactly what you needed and you hadn't been looking at it. So the algorithm isn't necessarily picking that up and, and you know, pinging that to you. So that's what I would call it. definitely a sign from the universe or a nudge there and a synchronicity for you. I do want to ask you, why do you think that, at least in Western culture, we're not um, as open especially in the medical community, to talk about spirituality and wellness and how it can be integrated. I'm not saying every you know medical practitioner out there isn't, but it just feels like it's like a hush-hush or a, like you shouldn't discuss these things. Can you go a little bit into that?
1: You're absolutely right. And it, it's a sad thing that we are missing such a big component of health, which is our spiritual health. I think the reason is because Western medicine, the way it evolved over the last couple of hundred years is that if you don't see it under a microscope, if you don't see it in a blood test or a CAT scan, it just doesn't exist, right? So, with spirituality and understanding how our emotions, our thoughts actually affect us, was sort of, you know, dismissed for many, many years. And honestly, it isn't until last couple of decades where our technology has finally caught up to be able to recognize these subtle changes So I'll give you an example. In my practice, I love combining best of East and Western, and I love using technology to validate all of these Asian sciences. So in my practice, I sometimes when patients come to me with things like PTSD, anxiety, or high amount of stress, I'll often connect them to something called a heart rate variability monitor. It's a little device that clips on your earlobe and measures your heart rhythm and does an analysis of your heart rhythm to tell you how stressed or relaxed you are, like if you're in the fight and flight response or if you're relaxed. And so one time I had one of my patients and he was a Vietnam War vet. I've known him for many years, him and his wife, and had a really good relationship with them. And he had struggled with alcoholism as a result because of PTSD. At that time, there was no awareness and no treatment. So we said, okay, why don't we try an experiment? Why don't you just come into my office? I'll hook you up with this device and then we'll we'll see what happens and we'll try some exercises to see if anything changes, gets you out of that fight and flight. So I hooked him up and I said, why don't you just close your eyes and think about a fond childhood memory? And he said, you know, I love being in water. I grew up on the shores of Connecticut. I had a little boat growing up with my grandparents. I was like, just think about that for say five minutes and let's just see what happens, right? So I hooked him up. And as he was doing that, just mental sort of guided imagery exercise, his numbers looked great. His heart rhythm was very balanced. His numbers looked excellent. He was not in fight and flight, very relaxed and calm. And then for a brief, like, couple, like a second, I saw that his scores all of a sudden changed and it just dropped in the negative direction. And it sort of took a while, maybe another couple of minutes to come back. So after he opened his eyes, I just asked him, I was like, how did you feel? Did you feel relaxed? And stress? he stressed, no, I felt great. And then he said, maybe for a microsecond, as I was imagining myself being on a boat, an image of me being on a boat in Vietnam and aircraft prairie as we were getting bombed for a microsecond just came into my head, but I just brushed it off and I just went back to thinking about you know my childhood. So that just I opened my eyes to say that that, microsecond of image of something that caused him so much trauma completely changed how his heart was beating for next several minutes. Even though in his mind, he was like, I brushed it off, I felt fine, right? So now technology is finally able to validate how powerful our thoughts, our emotions, our memories are really, and how that affect things like our blood pressure, our heart rhythm, our brain waves. So I think because of this scientific advancement, Finally, able to show the proof and say, "Here's the proof: how things like meditation, you know, things like Reiki, all of these things actually affecting us physiologically." But it all starts from our spirit, our mind, uh, and then transmits itself into the body.
0: For anybody wondering what you know going on with Nicole's voice, I'm just getting over um, infections, which is perfect time to be talking to a doctor here. But uh, anyway, is uh-huh. uh, that our thoughts are very powerful? But so when we combine it with our thoughts, our words, and then our emotions, that is just this ripple effect out. And so I would love for you to maybe talk a little bit more about that. And then also, if you feel like it, dive into that 28 days and more about your book and how people can start to apply intentional health to their day-to-day lives. And by the way, if anybody wants to maybe try this with me, I'm open to maybe doing one on my own. And then we can maybe do a group, uh, you know, some some groups with the listeners to see. But over to you.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. So let me start with the word intentional or intentional health, how that concept really came about. So as I was seeing patients, I was seeing thousands of patients, right? And what I recognize that it's often not shortage of information when it comes to health and wellness. Sometimes we are overwhelmed with too much information. But often I found that some of my most educated, intentionally, you know, strong, like people really want to take good care of themselves were struggling. That's because the idea of health and wellness that's been sort of sold to us or marketed to us is very much driven by what media is telling us what healthy looks like, right? Instead, what I started doing in my practice, the first time I meet someone, I always ask them, what does health look like for you, right? I don't care about me telling you, oh, we need to fix this blood pressure or this number. I don't care if the magazine articles are telling you should be a certain size or look a certain way. That's not what health is. I want you to ask the question, what does health truly mean for me? So it's almost like putting instructions into a GPS, right? If we put very detailed instructions, then our mind, our body, our thoughts know exactly where we're going. Often when it comes to our own health, we're not being intentional. We're simply trying to, you know, mirror what the society is telling us we should be doing. So intentional health is all about taking control over your well-being and asking the questions, what does health mean to me? And then accordingly, we're designing our thoughts, our emotions, and our actions to follow suit. So when we do it this way, that's what the first chapter in the book talks about how to set an intention. So that's how we're starting our health journey is asking that question. What does health mean for me and how do I want to manifest and even take it a step further. And when I work with my patients, you know, when I ask them, what is your goal, health goal, health intention, they'll often say, you know what? I don't want to, if you, I don't, I don't want to be tired all the time. I don't want to get cancer. I want to lose 20 pounds. I'm going to do this or that. And I say, you know what? Let's just change our language. Let's just focus on things we can control, right? So why don't we say my intention is that I'm going to eat foods that are going to be nourishing for me and that bring joy and pleasure to me. I'm going to focus more of my time taking care of my mental and physical well-being. I'm going to make my mental health a priority, right? So when we change our language, how we choose our words, because they become our reality. So instead of spending all day thinking, oh my God, I can't eat this because I don't want to gain weight. Oh, I cannot do this because I don't want to do, right? Instead, how about, oh, I'm enjoying this meal. I love every bite of it. This food is nourishing me and it's bringing health and well-being into me. So the dialogue completely changes. So I always say our healing journey starts by setting that intention. And by that, we're telling the body what to do and what direction to go in. That's why it is so important.
0: Yes. And like you just said, when somebody goes to a doctor or a practitioner, they may be looking at body mass or cholesterol or high blood pressure like kind of the baseline things that y- you check and that gives you some indication of the person and other things that may you know happen as far as like the progression of their health but when you ask somebody how do I want to feel how do you want to feel or what is your overall goal then you can kind of backtrack from that because it may be well obviously it's different for every single person and then that gives them something that I feel like it's ownership and empowers them rather than just somebody telling you, you should be doing these things. So that's beautiful. Now, what are some things, so once someone has the intention or the goal, rather, what are some things that you recommend for them? And, you know, tell us a little bit about your book and the steps that you learned from, I mean, you read the book, you tried it, you did all that. So that's just amazing practical things that people can start to apply.
1: Absolutely. So I'm all about, you know, setting the intention first and then putting that intention into action. So to put our intention to an action, I designed seven ancient secrets. So the way these seven ancient secrets came about is what I saw with my patients in my personal professional life over and over again. So like I said, a lot of people try their best to eat a healthy diet, exercise, they're doing all the right things, yet they don't get the best results. The reason is the first thing when we talk about healing or health is that we have to tap into our body's inner intelligence. So after years of medical training, seeing thousands of patients, one thing I can tell you is that our body is incredibly intelligent. Everything we need to live a long, healthy life is right in here. It's not outside in a diet or a supplement or anything. It's right in here. So the seven ancient secrets allow you to tap into that body's inner intelligence. So we understand what is our body trying to do at any given time and not misunderstand its signals. right? So our body is tired. We say, I just need to push myself. You know, I'm just going to go to the gym. I'm going to go for a run and I'm going to do all this, but how about we learn to listen to these subtle signals that our body is telling us and obey it and observe it. So the seven ancient secrets sort of walk you step-by-step how to understand our body and how to understand that each one of us has a unique sort of constitution. Each one of us has a different body, different mind, different spirit. So we need to recognize the uniqueness that is within us. So just because something worked for the other person doesn't mean it's going to work for us. We need to tailor it to ourselves. So we understand how our body is unique by using Eastern medicine. That's what Eastern medicine really excels at. So I use a lot of Chinese medicine principles, our um, traditional Indian medicine principles to understand how your body is unique and validate things you've been feeling, the things that you've intuitively done for many, many years. So the first ancient secret is, is circadian rhythm. So think about that as our body's master clock. This internal body clock is in every single living being, whether it's a plant, whether it's a bacteria, whether it's a dinosaur or a human being, we all have this internal body clock. The way I think about it is this one clock is what connects us to the entire universe, right? The universe's natural rhythm to each and every living thing around us has a rhythm. And this circadian rhythm that we carry is how we connect to everything around us. So, the more synchronized we are to this universal natural rhythms and cycles, the more it's the closer we are to our true self, right? So, often the first thing I focus on my patients, I don't, I always say I don't care about your weight, your diet, or whether you go to the gym. What I focus on first is the timing of things. So, I spend a lot of times asking my patients, okay, first thing we're going to do is just Develop a schedule, a routine. What time do you want to wake up? What time do you want to go to bed? What time do you want to eat your meals? And we are going to stick to it, right? Even if you're night out, it's okay. The routine is so important. If you're going to bed every day at two o'clock, that's fine. Slowly, we can work to make that a bit earlier, but it doesn't help your body. If today you're going to bed at 11, tomorrow you're going to bed at three, then 12, right? That irregularity really disconnects us from this natural rhythm, and disconnects us from everything that's around us. So that's the first step. So once we synchronize ourselves to the universe, that's how I think about it, with circadian rhythm, then everything else sort of falls in place.
0: Sorry, you're giving me chills because I just want to say this one thing. I had, um, I almost said a patient, I don't have patients, I'm not a doctor, but I had someone come to me for a session literally the other day, and I'm going to send her to you by the way. And she has had long COVID for three years and she's gone to all these specialists. She's gone to all these things. And I told her like, I'm not a doctor, but let me tune in. And the first thing they said, i.e. they being her guides and angels were was routine. And I said, you know, figure this out, get a schedule, routine, routine, routine. Now that may sound very basic to some that are listening to it. Like, you know, if you have a routine and all of that, but when what you're saying, and I was just getting chills is that circadian rhythm and the connection, that cosmic clock spiritually and energetically that connects us back to life force and rejuvenates us is so amazing. So just thank you for sharing that. I didn't mean to interrupt. So please continue. But I was just like, ding, ding, ding. So for her, if you're listening, Go to the routine (laughs) that they said, because that was definitely higher information that was coming through. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, because you're absolutely right. People say routine, okay, I've heard that a million times, but they don't understand the bigger concept behind it. When we synchronize ourselves to the universal rhythm, we're basically plugging our body into like a charger to charge ourselves, right? If that connection is loose or not there, no wonder we feel drained. No wonder we feel... You know disconnected or out of balance right so the best way to ground our energies is to connect right and we do that by setting a routine a cycle and synchronize our, ourselves after that any diet or anything else you do you'll have much better results so why are we working so hard right if we can just synchronize ourselves first then every little thing you do from diet exercise sleep you'll get much better results So why don't we just do that first? It makes sense. It's the first chapter. It was like, after that, everything else will sort of fall into place. Or at least we're, you know, creating an environment where things can fall into place.
0: Great. So the first one was um, circadian rhythm. And then the second is?
1: So after that, we start going into the world of the gut, gut health. So, you know, in Ayurveda, traditional Indian medicine, there is a saying that food that is metabolized or digested properly becomes nutrition and food that is not digested or metabolized properly becomes toxin and root cause of disease so food is the same right so how our body actually metabolizes it digests it will determine if that becomes you know nutrition or poison for us right just like our thoughts you know our thoughts i always say thoughts emotions everything has to be processed when these things are not processed they become toxic when they are processed properly they become like our armor and our superpower so food is the same. So that's why we're you know, in our, in our world nowadays, there's so much emphasis on this diet and that diet. So I'm taking my readers away from that concept. There's no perfect diet and don't focus on diet. The first thing we need to focus on is boosting your digestion, your metabolism. So I, I mentioned a lot of practical things that people can do. So one thing obviously is sticking to sick scheduled meal times. So we want to eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, Around same time every day, so our body knows, okay, this is time for dinner, so we'll digest it much better. And I also talk about our mental state, our emotional state when we're eating the food. That is far more important than how much protein or carbs you're getting, right? If I'm eating and I'm really mad at my husband and I'm just, you know, chowing down my food, that's not going to be digested properly, right? Versus how I take a moment and I take a few deep breaths, close my eyes, and express gratitude for the food that's right in front of me. And say, thank you for this meal. This meal is going to nourish me. And I'm so grateful that I have this food in front of me. And then when we eat, how that food is metabolized and digested is completely different.
0: Yeah. And what I also love about that is that I was thinking a few times, actually, that I used to do a lot of prayer work when I was younger over my food, not because my family was really religious, but that gratitude. And I kind of just tuned in and was asking, okay, well, what, what about it? And then I got this vision of getting put back to when I was learning my Reiki and they say to, it's like chi, you know, chi energy to have your hands over the water and just ask for it to be vibrations and frequencies that are healing for you. And that completely talk about science and data, they've actually looked at and they can see how the molecules and everything has actually changed the the how it looks under a microscope. So that prayer, while I think what you're saying is, also the intention and the gratitude and the energy that you're having because you're being mindful about what you're about to do. You signal to your body physically, but also mentally and emotionally that you're about to go into something that is giving you nutrition and energy and processing in a way, but it also has the power to change the molecules from the inside out as you're digesting.
1: Absolutely. So why waste time in focusing on just the, like I said, the calories and protein and this and that? Why not just change the energy of the food? Right. And honestly, I've seen people, you know, we've all seen those people who seemingly eat whatever they want, but they just have such a positive disposition and always a positive attitude in life. And I feel like they can eat whatever they want and they feel good. So, so that's the beauty of it. that's actually a research study I would love to mention. There was a research study I believe it was in the eighties where we finally learned, we started to learn that, Hey, high cholesterol can actually lead to heart disease. So a group of researchers, what they do, did was they took a bunch of rabbits and said, we're going to feed them a very high fat diet, so very high cholesterol diet, and then let's see if they develop uh, you know, blockages in their arteries in the heart. So they did that, and majority of the rabbits did obviously develop you know, heart disease, but there was a group of rabbits that did not, even though they were eating the same food. So all the researchers were scratching their heads, like how come this group of rabbits did not? That makes no sense. Did we make a mistake? Did they not get the right diet? So after investigation, they found that the caretaker for this rabbit would sing to them, would pet to them and was so, you know, such a good caretaker of the rabbits that just because the rabbits were in this positive energy sort of situation, that food, even though they were eating high cholesterol foods, they did not develop the heart disease that a researcher was looking for, right? So I always tell me we're not rabbits, I understand, but mm-hmm. it's the same energy, mm-hmm. right? So that's why the mindfulness aspect, the gratitude around the food is so important more than just the, the calories and everything else we tend to focus on.
0: Wow, wow. I can totally see that. It's, it goes back to when they would teach you in class. And when you were younger, the science behind having the different types of music for plants and certain plants would thrive with classical music versus if it was heavy metal, that sort of thing. So totally makes sense to me. Well, thank you. And then the third thing, so we talked about circadian rhythm, we talked about gut health. And I also just want to say too, that's probably why intuitive eating was very popular for a long time when there was like the whole diet fad and, and all of that. And then people said, you know, go into this intuitive eating and diet. It wasn't really a diet per se, but it was taking a lot of those principles and practices. What I love where you're going is you're taking all of these things and making filling in the picture, so to speak, those puzzle pieces.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we're starting with circadian rhythm. Then the next couple of chapters talk about gut health from Western medicine approach. We talk about the gut microbiome and then the Eastern medicine approach, which talks about something called digestive fire. Um, and then we go into sort of the root causes of diseases. You know, why do people get sick? So I explain that from perspective of Chinese medicine. So in Chinese medicine, the idea is that everything around us, including us, we're made out of the five elements, right? So some, some of us have more dominant elements within us. And then some of us are, you know, when we're balanced with our elements that are predominant within us, we are healthy. And when they're out of balance, then we tend to get sick. So understanding what type of elements or what type of constitution you have can really be eye-opening. So for instance, my constitutions, so the way constitutions are divided, sort of like hot, cold, uh, damp, or dry. So hot and cold doesn't have to do much with temperature, but more so the energies that we're dealing with. So for me, I am more on the, uh, you know, I... I tend to be more cold and dry, so I don't like cold and dry things. I get imbalanced when that happens. So if I'm living in sort of, you know, northeast, (laughs) but it's a cold, dry winter day, like winter's are not my thing. Like put me in Florida, I'll be so happy. Give me the hot, humid climate, right? So we all know that, that there are certain seasons, there are certain climates, certain foods. So in the winter, I can live on soups and stews all day long. I'm not the kind of person who likes a lot of salads, right? Because that's just my constitution. So when we understand how our what our constitution is and respect that and eat accordingly, change our lifestyle accordingly, we are really in sort of synchrony with our own natural sort of
0: constitution. Does your book help you figure out the constitution? Exactly. Okay, There's
1: quizzes mm-hmm. that you can take so you know exactly you know, what constitution you fall under and it also gives you very specific diet lifestyle recommendation according to your constitution. It even go into details about like how you should be cooking your food. So, for instance, you know people like me who tend to be more dry and cold, like things that are warm and cooked with a lot of hydration, like steaming or boiling, is better than like dry roasting certain foods. They will just digest better. So, if I was to eat something dry, like roasted potatoes, that might give me a lot of GI upset, more gas and bloating, versus if I boil some of these things, I'll digest those things much better, right? So when I explain this to my patients, I've done this so many times, they're like, are you a psychic? Like, <laughs> they're like, how did you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like looking at them, their you know, facial features and body language. And I'm like, no, I think you you probably don't do well in winter or you do really well in summer or something like that. They're like, wait, are you a psychic? Wow. Like, well, how You're a doctor. Like, how are you telling me these things, right? But that's why I love Eastern medicine because it truly personalizes and customizes diet, lifestyle, everything according to what makes sense for you right now. And again, what made sense for me, say, 10 years ago, when I was, you know, 30-year-old or 20-year-old, that was different than now that I'm a 40-year-old, my body has changed. So Eastern Medicine takes that into mm. account and says, every decade of our lives, you know, our hormones are changing, everything's changing. So we need to adjust our diet and lifestyle accordingly. So in these chapters, I, you know, I inform the readers how to understand your body is unique and then customize the diet and lifestyle changes accordingly. And you'll get such much better results. And again, this knowledge is for life.
0: Wow! Well, I'm excited to dive into that because you know, when I was younger, I would read a lot about you know the different—I won't call them diets necessarily—but how sometimes if you eat more meat, uh, you know, or it, but it was based on your energy and color, food colors was also very important too. So depending on your spiritual energy and or your body type, um, but then also to your point about cooking, but I never really took the time to go into it. So I'm glad somebody like you did because break it down, make it simple (laughs) for us. Okay. Um, Anything else about the, the seven secrets or the steps that you wanted to share?
1: Yeah. So the last couple of chapters really go into the, the more emotional and spiritual parts of our, our health. So I talk about the mind-body connection. I talk about it from sort of Western medicine approach. And I talk about the technology and the science that proves everything that, you know, people have been practicing for thousands of years. So the power of things like gratitude, of prayer, uh, of mindfulness, you know, how we can actually see it nowadays. So I I come up with practical tips for people to embrace it. And I know some people are new or intimidated by things like meditation. So we talk about simple things like, let's start with a gratitude journal. Can we just write down our thoughts every day and how we're feeling? Then how about we try something called body scan meditation? So all you're doing is putting awareness in each part of your body so that we can connect more with our body and get a better sense for it, right? So simple things that everyone can do it. In the last chapter, I end with something called breath of life. That's because our breath is really the link between our mind or our spirit and the body. So in yoga, they say, if you master your breath, you master your body. And if you master your body, you master your mind. So the easiest thing we can do. So that's why in yoga, they say, if you're alive, you can do yoga. So even if you're bed bound, right? Even if you can't move, if you can just change your breath and practice your certain ways of breathing, you're doing yoga. So I teach readers, you know, how to simplify and understand your breath a little bit better. And you don't have to be a meditator or anything like that. Simple five minutes of yoga-based breathing exercises can have tremendous benefits for our emotions, for our thoughts, for our mental health, and physical health. And it's funny, you might like this story, actually. So I mentioned that in the last chapter. So in ancient China, there are textbooks that say that when, you know, Chinese medicine doctors were employed by, by, you know, royal families, they weren't allowed to see them or touch them. So the doctors had to figure out a way to diagnose their patients without even looking at them or touching them. So what they did was they would tie a silk thread. So the silk thread would be tied and the physician would touch one end of it and the other end of the thread would be sitting on the patient's pulse right here. And just a gentle vibration, so in Chinese medicine, everyone, anyone who's ever gone to acupuncture, they know they always check your pulse and they tell you different things about your pulse, right? So just by feeling the vibrations of the silk thread, the physicians were so... Skilled that they could figure out what the imbalances were. And another way they would diagnose the patient is they would tell them to breathe on a mirror. So based on their breathing pattern, how the, you know, the fogging of the mirror, the pattern, how long it took to sort of disappear all these things would tell them what was going on within someone's body. So it's just fascinating, you know, eventually maybe in the next 20, 30 mm-hmm. years, we'll have technology to kind of, yeah. uh, you know, do the same thing. But it's just fascinating how important the breath is. And I share my personal story. You know, many years ago, I traveled to India and I met some very experienced Ayurvedic doctor and I went in for a consultation and they had no information about me. And I was just chatting with them. And a few minutes later, that Ayurvedic practitioner closes his eyes and then literally goes on to tell everything about my childhood to anything health-wise I've experienced ever. And again, I was like, did my mom call you? <laughs> <laughs> Are, you psych- like,
0: Are you psychic? Are <laughs> you <I'm>
1: psychic, exactly. <laughs> and he said it's not magic or anything like he's like all i did was observe and he said the way someone is breathing the way they mm. talk their body language they he said your breath will always give you away so he was like the more experience you get you recognize you don't need anything you simply just watch people breathe and how they're breathing will tell you everything you need to know about their health wow so i'm not there yet mm-hmm. but i recognize the power of our breath and i just want readers to To understand that our mind, body, spirit, all of that is manifesting Mm -hmm. right this moment through our breath. Mm -hmm. So the more in tune we are with it, the more in tune we are with our mind, body, and spirit.
0: Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I one of the things from a healing perspective, I'm not a yogi either, or I used to do yoga way back in the day, but that's something that keeps coming up. And I do it a lot in my prayer work and my intentions, whether it's for myself or for others. And that is taking these deep inhales in and these deep exhales. Now we know that breath relaxes us. We know that breath is extremely important, but it goes back to the routine that you were mentioning before. A lot of people would be like, yeah, check. No, I need to do that. Or, you know, it sounds so simple, but it's something that's simple and extremely powerful for us for healing. And I think what you're also talking about too, is when you put the intention behind the breath, when you're focusing and you're able to, you know, what they said, master the breath, master the body, then you master the body, you master the mind, but it's all connected. Uh, it's it's like these layers of onions that just one layer builds from the other and vice versa.
1: And honestly, the simple things are the most effective mm-hmm. and fundamental, mm-hmm. right? The reason why we've simplified these things and we don't often take it seriously it's because there's no TV commercials about it. There's no billboards about it, right? So I always say everything in this book is free, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, I'm not telling you to go buy these supplements. And so we're kind of brainwashed into thinking that anything we can buy, something that's more expensive, that's better for our health. That's what we should be doing. So my mission in life really is to crowd out that noise and tell people, again, everything you need to heal is right here. So crowd out that noise. You don't need any of those bells and whistles and learn to listen to your body learn how to connect with it and also the universal healing energy. When you do that, everything else sort of falls into
0: place. Yes, absolutely. And the other thing you said that I want to just kind of quickly go back to too, you said like every generation, so every like 10 years or so, you know, there's a way for you, no way, but it's a timing going back to maybe even the circadian rhythm and being checked in that our bodies do evolve, but so does the rest of our energy, uh, our energetic bodies, all of that. And I'm going, they be my guides and angels are bringing me back to um, that science scientific stat that like every seven years you have a new body, basically your cells regenerate. So um, can you share a little bit about that? Like, is it the seven years? Is it the 10 years? And maybe how people can can just keep that in mind and apply it?
1: Absolutely. So in in Eastern medicine, they say that our uh, life is measured in the number of breaths we take. Right? So if we waste our breath on things that don't matter, people or thoughts or emotions, like when we're angry, what happens to our breath? We're like this, right? We hold our breath or we're breathing like this. When we're relaxed, what happens? Our breath naturally slows down. So it's an indirect, simplified way of saying is that when you focus on that mind-body connection and master your breath, you'll live a long life. So how fast our body or cells turn over is directly related to that. So whether that's every seven years or 10 years, we're entirely depend on our mental, spiritual, physical state. So it's not a set in stone type of thing, right? So that's the reason we want to lengthen that phase as much as possible by slowing down aging. When we do that by detoxing, de-stressing, rejuvenating from time to time, that's what the 28 day reset is all about, right? It's inspired from that Panchakarma, the, the detox that I did, but it's simplified that everyone can do it. So the idea is that when we do these um, dedicated rituals where we're taking time to focus on our body, to heal, to repair, rejuvenate, we can extend the longevity of our life, right? So the idea behind it is we can slow down the cell turnover, we can reduce inflammation in the body, and then we have, you know... Instead of turning ourselves over every seven years, we can do that every 10 years. So that's the idea behind the whole concept of rejuvenation and detox. It's not just that, you know, I'm going out partying for a week, and I'm just going to detox everything and just go back to my ways, right? It's all about life. Life has ups and downs. I'm not saying we're going to be perfect all the time. And I also joke with that. Like, he's always saying every year I go to Italy to eat my wheat and pasta and drink my wine, right? But when I come back, I know, and I enjoy every moment of it, Right. And when I come back, I do the 28-day reset because I know that, you know, yin and yang have to be balanced, right? So it's about feasting and fasting. So it's a combination of those energies allows you to take control of your life and understand that balance is where health is. Health is not about perfection, it's how to bring our body back to balance. So the more aware we are when we're out of balance, how to catch ourselves and have the tools that I'm sharing with you in the book so that you can bring your body back to balance whenever you need to puts you in
0: the driver's seat. Thank you for sharing that. And I was also just getting an intuitive hit that uh, people that are listening, if you are hearing this and it's resonating with you, yes, there's gonna be some work and that work is going inward and finding the tools that you already have within yourself. Like you have so you know, lovingly and astutely laid out in your book. And for those that are still kind of seeking that external, it's not that um, you know going to doctors and other things and medications aren't helpful, they're extremely helpful, but this is, it's gonna take some work to tune back into your own self, to align, to center, to go through all of these steps. And if it's feeling a little bit too much for you, then maybe that's your sign that you should be doing it. (laughs) You know, I think we want that magic pill. We want to go on Amazon and get that book and have it show up on our doorstep the next day. And then we just put it to the side and we don't necessarily read it or do the things that we felt necessarily led to intuitively to do.
1: And Everything that happens in our life, if we pay attention, we find meaning in it, right? So the reason why that book came to me wasn't just because it it wasn't just about healing me. It's the the lesson I learned and that really inspired this book and it's potentially touching so many lives how we're connecting here what we're talking about who are who's actually going to listen to this this is all sort of designed right and it's coming to us so our job is to recognize these signs and and say thank you and 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 abide by it and pay attention
0: all right. Well, um, we've covered so, so much. And I know we didn't really dive into as much of like your personal background and experience, but maybe if you come back on, we can do that a little bit more later. But I, w- I do also want to write down that you said one of the things that by setting health intentions, we align our conscious and subconscious minds with our spirit, allowing healing energy to flow freely. You shared a lot of the steps. Um, obviously, everyone can get her book if, if they're interested in learning more about this. But I do feel like Are there other maybe, I don't want to say simple, but intentions that people can do on a daily basis or in their routine that stand out to you or that maybe you do in your own own day-to-day practice that you would like to share with others?
1: Yeah. In the book, I end the book, the last chapter is called 20-minute daily ritual. So the 28-day reset is not something we can do all the time, I understand. But even if you do the 28-day reset, we want to continue reaping the benefits of it every single day right? So 20 days is sort of that deep cleaning that we do in the house before the holidays, before the guests are coming. The 20-minute daily ritual is like what we're doing to maintain, right? The more we maintain, the less toxins build up, right? The less we get sick and we stay healthy. So the 20-minute daily ritual, I suggest to the readers, and again, I quantified by time. So no one can say that it's going to, I can't do this. We all have 20 minutes, right? So I always focus on anchor points in the morning and at night. So days can get busy, right? We're running around. But if in the morning, as soon as your eyes open and you get up, right, don't look at your phone, literally spend 30 seconds and just close your eyes and say, what do you want this day to look like, right? Just ask yourself the question, what do I want this day to look like? And just picture it and, and express gratitude and say, thank you for this beautiful day. And this is what I want to happen. This is what's going to happen today. And that's it. It's a simple thing. And at the end of the day, I want you to do the same thing. I want you to close your eyes and say, this was a wonderful day. It might've been challenging, might've been tough, but I'm thankful for all it brought to me, right? So if you just anchor your day, when you wake up and go to bed, and it's going to take you less than a minute to do this. I guarantee you will completely change. This is how you engage your conscious and the subconscious because that thought, the ripple effect of those thoughts will permeate through everything else you're doing throughout the day. You might not recognize it, but it will change how you're tackling challenges throughout the day, how you talk to people, how emotionally you react to situations. It will all be different. And the more you do it, if you do this every single day, month after month, you'll notice a significant transformation.
0: Wow. Now I know why they had me ask you this or my intuition, because you're like a soul sister. I call it bookending my day and it's made a huge difference in my life. And I know that it's definitely made a huge difference in other people's lives. So the fact that you mentioned that as well, and just, I think if it, if it's the gratitude and that's what you gravitate towards, if it is something where you want to check in to see how you're feeling through those different layers, again, energetically, physically, mentally, spiritually, all of that. But I just want to say thank you so much for for sharing your story, for writing this book, for helping so many, many people. I do have one um, final kind of question for you. And that is, if there was some sort of myth or misconception that you wish that you could change, whether it's in the spiritual community or the medical community, what would that be?
1: I think one thing I would encourage all medical providers, especially doctors to take into account, just like we're talking about when we meet patients, we're talking about surgery. I mean, surgeries have you yeah, are like, allergic to things or medication please make room to check in with everyone's emotional, mental, and spiritual health. It is just as important. We cannot overlook it. I always say we have to start with that, to be honest. So I think it needs to be taught more in medical schools, and that's something we're doing with our trainees, with residents and fellows, because this is such a big part of training that's missing right now. And I hope that the next generation of healthcare providers not just heal the bodies, but also are there to pay attention to the mind and the spirit as well.
0: Love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And where would you like people to reach you and get your book? Yeah, you can get
1: the book on Amazon or any other book provider. You can also visit me on intentionalhealth.io or follow me on Instagram at intentional health underscore.
0: Well, thank you again for being on. I'd love to maybe have you back if you're interested and talk about many more things because I had so many other questions that we just didn't have a chance to get to. So thank you so much for being on. Absolutely.
1: I would love to be back. Thank
0: you so much, Nicole. Thank you for listening to A Psychic Story. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. All episodes are free on your favorite podcast player or at apsychicstory.com. Have a question? Is there a topic you'd like to hear more about? or have a suggestion for a future guest, send an email to contact at a psychic or leave a voicemail message at 1-800-880-1881. We'd love to hear from you and you may even be featured on a future episode. If you're interested in booking a session with me, you can do that directly on the website. And if you wanna hear even more content hosted by yours truly, check out my other show, Supernatural Matters. Reminder that you are automatically entered to win either a free 20-minute intuitive or energy healing session with me if you leave five stars along with a positive review. Currently, reviews can be left on Apple, Stitcher, Podchaser, or CastBox podcast players. Don't forget to email contact at a when you do, because it allows me to get in touch with you if your name is pulled in the drawing. Your name stays in until you win.